0: Saturday's loss to the Longhorns it it still stings but is it fatal well we'll see this is Locked on Baylor you are locked on Baylor your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears part of the Locked on Podcast Network your team every day Thank you for joining us for another episode of Locked On Baylor. I am your host, Cam Stewart, brought to you today by Jace Medical. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day, still breaking down this Baylor loss at the buzzer to the Texas Longhorns on Saturday in Austin. Uh for those of you who joined the post game show, it got uh emotional in there. Um I was just I was just upset. I was really upset and I still am. Um but having a day to think about it and seeing some more Top-end Big 12 teams lose, which we are just getting accustomed to every couple of days here. I mean, it happens every game night in the Big 12. Does it change the perspective of this loss? Now, I mentioned in the cold open there, is it fatal? I'll give you the quick answer to that. No, it's not fatal because of what we see around this conference. Does that mean there isn't reason for concern? Also, no. No, you can be concerned. I'm concerned as a Baylor fan for this team that I, I I really like on paper. I really liked coming into this season and really liked in the, in the non-conference portion of this season. I thought, you know, with the three and O start to the big 12, kind of those, those games against Michigan state and Duke were behind them. doesn't mean they're not going to lose games in this conference. Of course they are, but it's kind of the way they lost the last two games that, that concerns me. A, They are very close to being 0-3 on the road, which is just in the Big 12, which is a bad, bad mark um, to to be a team that doesn't win on the road. Um, Thankfully, you have a better home court advantage than you did in years past at the Foster Pavilion, but still, I I know it's all about defending your home court, but Baylor has been an excellent team on the road in the Big 12 the last five years, and that's really helped them a lot um, get to that upper echelon of this conference, and I am... I am scared right now because they're over their last two on the road, and the third one, which they needed overtime to take. Congratulations, Oklahoma State is now the worst team in this conference. Pretty comfortably, with another win by West Virginia, another uh, win by UCF during the week against uh, against Texas. So Oklahoma State's the worst, and you needed overtime to beat them. Um, all that to say, <laughs> all that to say. This thing can turn on a sixpence here, like just every, any, any given night, you know? Uh, But looking ahead at this Baylor schedule, which we will get into at some point here, it is, it is drastic, even by Big 12 standards. It is, it is a very tough stretch coming in. You just had two, not gimmies because they're not, there's not any gimmies in this league, but two teams that right now are not going to make the tournament, and you lost both of them. And like I said, in the postgame show, you did it two very different ways with the same result, you know, on Tuesday, nothing went right. You know, everyone's shot was off. The numbers were terrible. It was just one of those days and you lost. And the, the positive fans were saying, wow, everything went against us on the on the stat sheet uh, in, in a shooting wise, like no, no shots were going down and they still needed overtime and it was still only four points. Like, are we really that good? And then things do go your way on Saturday. You shoot 80% from the free throw line rather than 47%. You're shooting, you end up out shooting Texas from three, which started nine, they started nine of 11, and you still lost. And of course, what we look at at the end of it was eight and a half. last eight and a half minutes of the game, eight minutes of the game or so, um, Baylor had one field goal, and it came with five seconds left. And Scott Drew was asked about this after the game, and I'm not sure what to make of the answer, so to speak.
1: Uh, well, normally at the end of the game, it's a lot of free throws. So I know we got to the line, which those that's good offensive possessions. Uh, I know we had a couple uh, uh, decent looks, um, but a, a lot of it's a game of seconds. I mean, Eve, shot clock violation, they get an and one. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, an inch here an inch there and everything's different so uh, but we we got to do a better job uh, uh, executing down the stretch and uh, we're five and three in close games so it's not like we haven't been good in close games but uh, uh, on the road you got to be better
0: okay so I, not a lot in there for me he just kind of says "Yeah, it happens ah. I know he doesn't really think that (laughs) because he is a really good head coach, a great head coach still. Um, But Scott got out coached in this game. That doesn't mean, like I just said, he's a great coach. Doesn't mean he's a bad coach, but he got out coached in this game uh, because there were no tangible adjustments that we could see or adjustments that worked in the last eight minutes of the game. And, you know, he says, ah, it's a time to get to the free throw line. That's, that's great and and it is and great great teams do do that but you've got to hit some field goals man like you can't you can't just go completely stagnant offensively you know don't don't get out of your game but if your game is getting you to no field goals in the last 8 minutes you know what i mean like we we still got to figure out ways to score live ball like, you can't just go to the free throw line every time down you need to you know wear down teams and and go long possessions and still get a good look and still score. That's what the great offensive teams do and going into this game, this is what Baylor was supposed to be, a great offensive team. But the last two games, you know, they have a, a one of the most horrid shooting performances I've ever seen on Tuesday and of course it's much better on Saturday, but if you don't hit a field goal in the last 8 minutes, that doesn't mean Yes, man. That doesn't mean anything if you don't hit a field. If you hit one field goal in the last eight minutes and lose the game, and now we'll be saying, "Oh, well, they only hit one field goal in the last eight minutes. They still only lost by two at the buzzer." No, no. At some point, it's got to get fixed. You know, it's January twenty second that I'm talking to you guys about this. At some point, it's got to get fixed. At some point, we got to iron all these things out. Scott Drew said last week, you know, it was when the turnover numbers were going down, he said this after the Cincinnati game, um, that it was because these guys were finally getting, you know, a lot of minutes together. It was a new team coming into this year and, you know, they're facing good competition and getting a lot of reps together as a result. Well, I don't think we can use that excuse anymore. I thought it was not the best one on January 13th. Um, it's, it's worse after January 20th. Um, so I, I got to see the cohesion turn into points really is, is what we need to look at there. And um, the end of game, I, I don't, I, I, ugh, I just, I, I, there's no acceptable answer for letting a guy go coast to coast. And and Scott didn't try to give one to be fair. Um, he's not making excuses. Um, he said, in fact, he said, I should have called a timeout at the end of regulation. If you see the video that Texas put out, it very much looks like he's doing that, by the way. Um, I, I don't know if it's a situation where Texas had already inbounded the ball. I think the UT creative team was uh, making certain that you couldn't see him calling for timeout before they inbounded the ball. Um, so I don't know if he did or not, but you can see at the beginning of the video when they're inbounding the ball, he's he's doing the T with his hands and no one's looking at him. And... It probably would have been for the best. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. To to call a timeout there, I wasn't I wasn't mad that he didn't at the time because, you know, you you say you argue for calling a timeout because it gets your defense set up, but on the other end, you give the other guys a chance to get on the clipboard and draw out a play. Um, so yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Do I wish he would have called a timeout now? Sure, you know, because it was so unsettled. And you even see the video of Jalen Bridges hitting the three that Baylor put out. He follows him after and, or, or sorry, it wasn't Baylor. It was one of the local guys, uh, put that out and he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, strutting down the court afterwards. And here comes Tyrese Hunter coast to coast. So yeah, I mean, a a timeout probably would have been good, but by that same token, Rodney Terry gets another clipboard session with his team. So, um. I'm actually not as mad about that as I was about him, Scott, not calling the timeout at the end of regulation against Kansas State. We're going to hear more from Scott in the second segment, um, and specifically a- another thing that's just kind of lacking from this team, even when they were winning games, this part was was kind of lacking a little bit. We'll hear from that next. First, I got to tell you about my friends over at FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book. We just had an awesome week of NFL football. Uh, There's still time to get on the action though, even though we're heading into conference championship weekend, uh, there's still time. Okay. And they're an official partner of the NFL. So FanDuel is going to take care of you. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Okay. And the app is so easy to use. Even I can do it. And you guys know, you listen to me every day. I'm a dummy. Okay, I can figure it out. They've got live same-game parlays. You can even see the parlay hub where other people are putting out their parlays so you don't have to just guess. I can be like... Oh, well, this guy's making some sense. She's making some sense. Let's go with that one. Um, So I do do that a lot. Um, You got the Barley Hub to see what other people are betting. Uh, Props, over-unders, spreads, anytime touchdowns, all of that great stuff available on FanDuel Sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make that first bet a layup. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and America's number one sports book. So one thing it's not it's a microcosm of the 8 minutes with only one field goal to end the game, but the the bigger picture I should say is that Baylor has not had that killer instinct in these games, which they did in in 2020, they did in 2021, they did in 2022 once or twice last year. Adam Flagler at TCU comes to mind when he scored like 18 straight points or something. But other than that, Baylor just Baylor does not have an alpha and hasn't for the better part of two seasons now. And I, I tweeted it out during the game, five minutes left, tie game. Both teams had a chance to pull away, but more recently Baylor had a chance to pull away and did not. So who is going to step up? Who is going to be the guy? Who is who is going to? I'm going to see or As the time you are listening to this, I went to see the Celtics down in Houston yesterday. It reminds me of an old Celtic, Cedric Maxwell, who in the 81 final said, get on my back. I'm going to take us there. He was on a team with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, all these Hall of Famers. And he said, get on my back. I've got us. And he was the MVP of the series. Baylor's got all this talent out there. Who is going to be the guy that says, get on my back, guys. I've got us. I am taking us to this win. We have played better than them. We are the better team than them. We have gotten the looks that we want. We're holding them to the looks that they don't want. And now it's crunch time on the road. None of that matters. That other stuff I just listed because it's a tie ball game. But I'm going to get us there. I'm going to make sure this isn't a disappointment. Baylor doesn't have that right now. That is subject to change. That can ha- that can change. No matter what the old people try to tell you, that that can change. Guys can develop that, but right now they don't have it. They don't have that 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 guy with the killer instinct who says, "I don't give an f. I'm getting to the rim, you know, or I'm hitting this shot, or I'm making this defensive stand." Specifically on the offensive end, though, you need a killer. And I think there are some guys out there that can do it. Jalen Bridges. I mean, it gets lost in the fold because they lose, but ice in his veins, step back three with five seconds left to tie the ball game. Like that's huge, right? Uh, how many times in the last two games have we seen Langston love or I shouldn't, maybe not the Texas game, but the couple of games before Langston love sniffing an area to get to the basket and getting there and getting big buckets for them. Like there, there are guys who can do this. Jacoby Walters, a knockdown shooter, right? Like there are guys who can, by their skill set, do this. Ray J Dennis has hit some big shots down the stretch against Oklahoma State, uh, against Cincinnati. So there, there are there is talent on this team to do that. But this isn't a, a talent thing. Talent's part of it, but it needs to be in your blood. And right now, I'm wondering who that is. And there is still time to correct that. And Scott Drew talked about that. There was a time where Baylor was up, I think six, and had a chance to extend and just didn't do it. Here's what Scott Drew had to say about it post game.
1: Midway through the second half, I mean, fifty eight, fifty two. You guys had a chance to really yeah. build build on a run. There had a couple of shots down low uh, that were one was blocked, one was missed at, at the rim, and then. Texas got a little more momentum back from that. I mean, I know any game that comes down to inches, like you were talking about, that seemed like a really important part of the game. Actually, we talked about that in the locker room, and I mean, that's that's the difference between uh, uh, championship veteran teams. I mean, when you get a shot to extend the lead, you got to, and uh, um, we wasted those opportunities. And um, I think in 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 essence, that's a lot of college basketball because nowadays you don't have guys that have played together 3 4 years they don't know exactly what the coach wants they don't know what they're used to like um and it's everybody learning on the fly and the only way you learn is in these games and um sometimes you learn uh, when you when you get your finger burned on the on the stove
0: exactly they need that <laughs> i mean and it's Comforting that the coach realizes that, but uncomfortable in the fact that he has to say that on G- on January 20th. Um, and I know there, w- he, he mentions it kind of backhandedly there of not having guys who play together for a few years. And I know this is a, a case amongst the fans. It's not the overwhelming majority of the fan base, but fans who are saying Baylor was a lot more successful before they had one and done's. And it's this, it's this, it's not a bad argument. It's not a bad argument. It might be a little hollow, but it's not a bad argument. Now, you're towing the line of, well, then, should Baylor not go after the best talent in the country? Should Baylor fall behind recruiting-wise because it worked a little bit better that they had guys who played a couple years together? Maybe. Maybe you say that. Maybe you say, Cam, well, they won a national championship without any one and So, yeah, it is worth it. Okay, I, I don't know. I I don't mind Baylor going after the best talent. Um, we have seen teams that have done you know three one and dones on the same team and and win national championships. So it, it, it's it can happen, right? Um, you know, Kansas always has those kind of guys, and Kansas is always the toast of college basketball. So um, it, it's it can it can still work. But I understand why people are saying. You know, since we got these one and done guys in here the last three seasons, it has not been the same Baylor team. We haven't gone past the second round. So I, I, and it's not even necessarily that those guys are the problem. You know what I mean? Just the team cohesion and all of those things. Like you can't get much better, um, bringing in guys like Jacoby Walter and Eve Misi and next year bringing in, uh, you know, Rob Wright, Jason Asimota, VJ Edgecombe. Like you're not complaining about that. But Scott Drew even said it a little bit in there. It was different when you had guys who played three or four years together. Um, And I just wonder if that is not a cry for help, but a cry for we're going to have to change our strategy here. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. But um, it was not Coach Drew's most electric day. He will have some electric days this season. Trust me. Um, But for right now, it's that lack of a killer instinct for Baylor. I mean, they lose or they make one of their last, what, nine shots down the stretch. It's it, it, it's a bad look. It's not something that's new. Um, and it gets amplified, of course, when it's on the road. Because, you know, it's easy to be a little bit more focused when you've got that crowd behind you at the Foster Pavilion and against the other team. It's not as easy when you're on the road. And they've played in some big environments the last couple of games at Texas, but specifically at Kansas state. So if this team is going to be one of those ones that can't muster up wins on the road, this is going to be a long season because your road games after this are much more competitive. I should say, I mean, I mean much uh, a stronger opponent than you have had the last two games. I know nobody's easy in this conference, but um, you know, you, you host TCU next Saturday, then you go to UCF, which has absolutely been a tough team this year. A couple of home games. And then you're at Kansas. Oh, I know Kansas lost again. By the way, just what the heck, man? West Virginia, bro. Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Beating Kansas. Is Kansas just like, like, just like Baylor? That is the game, actually. That is the game Saturday that I was like, wow. Maybe I should uh, cut some slack on Baylor a little bit because I still thought Kansas was the top of this conference and they blew it again. You know, it's not just the loss to UCF. It is now the loss to West Virginia, who is a team that I have joked but been serious about would have opted out if if they had the opportunity to. Um, and it brings it back to... Is Houston the best team in this conference? Just last week, they lost two games to teams that were unranked at the time. And we were like, boy, Houston ain't even ready for this league. So that's how quickly things can change in this conference. You know, I look at Baylor's schedule coming up. Home against TCU at UCF. Home to Iowa State. Home to Texas Tech. And before that February 10th matchup at Kansas, we could be saying again, Boy, watch out for Baylor. Ho, ho, are they on a heater, man? Baylor might be the best team in this conference. We could be saying that. We could be. We, that. That is a legitimate possibility because of the way this league is. Now, I worry about it. I think TCU is still a good team. I mean, you saw the fight they had against Iowa State, even though they were getting their butts kicked in the first half. They lose by, what, two points, one possession game. Iowa State's been a bogey team for Baylor the last couple of years. Um... Uh, And Grant McCaslin's got one tough bunch down there at Tech. Boy, is that a a team to watch out for, man. That guy knows how to turn around teams. I mean, each of this is the last two stops before he got to Tech. He had turned them both from losing records to like a 65 to at least a 65% winning percentage in the first year. Um, and he comes in with a team that was exactly 500 last year, 16 and 16. They're already, they've already won 15. They're 15 and three. So th- these are tough games. Don't get me wrong. It's, I'm not just saying Baylor, because they have a couple at home, they're going to, they're going to cruise through this four and 5 and oh, or whatever. But I'm saying that we could be talking about them being the toast of the conference again, because that's how quickly things change in this league. But yeah, there's legitimate concerns from Saturday. They're not going to win any of those games, any, not a single one. If they go eight minutes in the second half with one field goal, book it, guarantee it, put my name on it. I don't care. They will not win a single one of those games if they do that. So that needs to stop (laughs) first and foremost. Um, But Scott said it in the post game. I don't think it was part of those quotes, but said, um, there's a lot of things that Bayward did right. And you faced a team that was desperate and playing at home. And so one of the overlying questions of Saturday's post game from the fans was, when does Baylor become desperate? It's a good question. Um, I think it's coming soon. I think it's coming soon. I don't, I, don't, I hope they're not fighting for their tournament lives the way Texas was on Saturday, albeit on January 20th. But they do need to have an air of desperation soon and hopefully that comes after a full week of practice. Rest your guys up, work out some of the kinks, and playing a rival that is also a pretty darn good basketball team in TCU in your building on Saturday. Um, hopefully that's the case, that they turn that around and, and that becomes uh, the the watershed moment for them, so to speak. We got women to talk about coming up after this. But today's episode is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, guys, I know you come here for the escape of everything, uh, but I got to be serious with you guys for a minute. That's where Jace Medical comes into things because the FDA has announced that they are having like this huge supply chain shortage in the biggest flu season in, in over a decade. Pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of this thing. And I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than one of my loved ones getting sick with a supply chain issue, keeping them from life-saving medication. That would be awful, just terrible. I don't even want to think about it. Thankfully, we're going to be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, among others. This stuff could happen to any one of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of that regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off that first order. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com and use the offer code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get $20 off that first order. So switching gears over to the women's side, um, it was not as easy in a win as I thought it was going to be for the Lady Bears, but a win is a win. And when you're coming off two straight losses, you'll take that. And you see, I talk about the men getting a whole week to prepare for TCU. The women got a whole week to prepare for UCF. And usually it's a good thing. Maybe you saw a little bit of the rust with it too. It's a double-edged sword, right? Uh, but they do come away with the three-point victory. Free throws are the difference down the stretch. They they made some clutch free throws. Um, and Nikki Collin said, of course, a win is great, but, you know, we, we need to improve on some things. Here's what she had to say after the game.
2: Yeah, it's always good to get in the win column. I think sometimes you just need the mojo back, obviously frustrated. Um, you know, when you take a seven-point lead, it's time to, to, to put yourself in gear and get a 10-point lead. And I thought we let them hang around with bad decision-making. Um, turnovers, fouls. Um, we have to do a better job of, of defending without fouling when people put the ball in the bounce. Um, we've got to understand when teams are playing from behind, they're going to scrap, they're going to come after us. Um, there, there's a time to play with pace, and there's a time to play with pace in the half court, um, but to move the ball. And I thought we um, made some uncharacteristic turnovers, not that we haven't had some heavy turnover games this year, um, but we I thought we had some really um, – Core turnovers late in the game that, you know, kept them in the game. Um, possessions that we could have run down um, that led to to transition baskets for them.
0: Yeah, things got a little sloppy in there. Um, a little sloppy. And that's kind of what kept UCF in this game. UCF was all, I mean, we talk about Texas being desperate on the men's side for a different reason. UCF was desperate. They're 0-5 in The conference schedule. They had they had something to prove. They had lost their other two uh, games against ranked opponents by sixteen and seventeen points. So um, it was it was a time for them to come out, be desperate, and give you all they got, and show that they're a Big Twelve team. And they did show that. But Baylor comes away with the win. Still, some things to work on. I kept it brief with the ladies today um, because I'm going to give some more tomorrow because they got a big game tonight uh, against number seven, Kansas state who d- did not have to play in the middle of the week. They did play on Saturday. They did not have to play TCU. Um, this is a show me game. If you're the Baylor lady bears, a final four team, like we think they are uh, still kind of getting back into the groove of things. And Nikki Cohen kind of mentioned it in that answer a few minutes ago um, of getting everyone's best shot. I don't know that these girls are, are really used to that yet because you know, underlying circumstances, but they didn't get everyone's best shot last year. They, the the opponents didn't think of Baylor the way they did three or four years ago, but now they do again, and you're going to get everyone's best shot and you've got to show up in these big ranked games, especially at home. And that's what you've got tonight against Kansas state. We're going to break down more of that game tomorrow. Be sure to like, and subscribe, leave a comment down beneath. How do you feel about both of these teams? Uh, How do you feel about the ladies going up against tonight? What do you need to see from the men next week to make you feel more confident about this team going forward? Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. We'll be back tomorrow with more Locked on Baylor.